Welcome to the In the Dome podcast, everybody. In that's the, that's in the dome. Welcome to the what? That's in the dome. In the dome. Hey, you you missed the game last night, but you're the first intermission. Sportsnet actually did a. They played in. I heard that Austin messaged me on Instagram. It was like they just played in the dome, and if you don't know, that's where the name comes from. Obviously, because you can find us in the dome, chilling with Jerome. Got my eye on the cup, baby. baby we, we gon' bring, bring it home. Seas flaming on my chest, so you know that it's on. Oh, when man. I tell you about the West, kid, the cup is coming. I've home. been. Po- it's it was, it's it's uh, the anniversary of the Jerome again at the Calgary trade, nineteen ninety five, December twentieth today. It's today or yesterday? Today. Wow. Because I saw some people posting about it yesterday. I was like, no, they're wrong, because I'm pretty sure it was the 20th. And it was. Wikipedia, Calgary Herald backs me up on this, so it was the 20th. But I've been posting some Aginla stuff, because I'll take any chance I can to be nostalgic with Jerome Aginla. Holy God. You know what? What a pleasure. You know what? And it's one of those things where when you have them, you don't really realize what you have. Well, dude, I was just, I've been posting a bunch of his fights. So like I'm not a big hockey fight guy, but like, can you believe that guy played for us? Like, what what a diff like holy cow, a guy who's a Hall of Famer, 50 goal scorer who fights like 10 times a year, like Jesus. Like he did everything. Like he did everything, and I was one of my favorite goals. I'm gonna post later is him against San Jose in the Western Conference Finals. Scores a shorthanded goal. Like the guy did everything. I think I know that one coming off the the far boards. Yeah, the and then he boards. slides it right in. And Bokov stacks the pads. It's so. Oh sweet. yeah, that one. Yeah, man. Oh. Guy fought fifty goals. Like I mean, he was a pretty underrated playmaker too. He had seasons of forty plus assists multiple times. He was so he was good. The captain. He was so good. Like fuck, he was good. Anyways, okay, so we love you, Jerome. Now, yeah, but yeah, it's funny because that was on the the intermission. I'm like, sweet in the dome. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting that Sportsnet, what is it, Sportsnet West? I guess so. Everybody in the West. And I don't know. I'm, I, I guess Vancouver probably has Pacific. Yeah, but still, I mean, props. They need to play that more. Okay, what was going on with the goal song last night? Because I had a few people saying that they didn't, weren't playing TNT. I didn't notice when I was watching the highlights, and I didn't pick it up. So they better get back to that because I dig that. I dig goal songs. I didn't notice. I know they're doing the Terry Sawhill. Yeah, I don't know if I like that. What, what is that? What is it again? I tried to I do don't know, it to like Giver or something. Oh! It's like that. <laughs> that's too close come to on, like that's, the Coyote Howl. Come on, man. That's fun. Meh. Come on. Meh. Come on. It's not my favorite. Come on. Okay. So, All right, let's breaking get into down, this breaking piece down the of game. shit game that was so... I missed the game. I was out. You know what? Like, okay. They had a second period breakdown, of course. But even even in the first ten minutes, I was like, "Hey, they're not gonna have a shitty second period." So, outside, like if you if you look at the three last three home games by comparison, I think this was your best. I think this is the best game they played compared to the three. Well, I again, I haven't I haven't gone back and watched it because I haven't had time. I might do that tonight. But from what I've seen, just looking at the like, I, f- I feel like the Pittsburgh game was probably better. Because they did dominate possession in the Pittsburgh game, had the line share, the scoring chances. So last night, just to break it down, the first period, uh, shot attempts, 38%. Second period, 37%. Third period, 63%. So it looks like they may have scored twice in the first period, but they still, like Montreal, had the territorial advantage. So I don't know. That's just me not watching the game at all. But from, from what you're saying, they played pretty good in the first. You know what? I think it might have been their best first period out of those three games. And maybe just... Part of me says that is because they scored two goals. They had right. the most to show for it. Ah. Um, oh, by the way, 
Can we just take a moment and talk about how unreal those jerseys look? Oh my god. Number one. Like, I'm literally aroused by those. It's seriously unbelievable. I, I, like, oh. I like white jerseys more than most people. Those just blow me away. They're unbelievably good. They're so good. They're just perfect. It's unreal how good they are. Like, I have one coming for Christmas. I've got one sitting right here. And I have a feeling when I get it, I might just... I might sleep with it. Like, seriously? The first night. I might. You did? No, I might. I haven't got it yet. I might cuddle up to that thing. I might, <sighs> I might, you know, rub well, we, up. I might rub up against it a little bit. We'll see. I don't want to get anything on it. We have, we have a regular jersey and the Heritage Classic jersey sitting right here. We were comparing and contrasting. Oh, my it. God. It's so unreal that they still wear those stupid things. God damn. The vertical piping on these current jerseys just... Ugh. Dude, okay, so... Okay, let's not get let's not yeah, let's sorry. not go down the jersey rabbit hole. We I usually tend to, but they look so good. But my God, do they look good! And it just brought back so many memories. So do you know, to this day, the Flames are still the only team to win the Stanley Cup in Montreal, who as a visiting team, only team in history. Really? Hey, did you see the whole Lanny McDonald thing last night? No, I didn't see Dick. So apparently, I don't know if this is a ward initiative, but. What they've been doing is they've been getting someone to come in. Oh, I did see something about this, but I didn't other, see it. Other teams have been doing this. I think San Jose does this. But they bring in a, a guest for each game to introduce the lineup in the dressing room. Last night was Lanny. Lanny was on the bench for warm-ups. Wow. And they actually played a speech. It was fucking great. That's sweet. And they interviewed Chucky. In the first intermission, Chucky's like, oh, that's probably a speech of the year. Like, he was amped up. That's sweet. Lanny, man, that guy's a beauty. See, he's a little before my time. I met him once in Costco. He's really nice. Did he say, tell him Lanny sent you? Yeah, I don't quite remember. I think he, tell saw, him Lanny he signed sent something. You. I had like, it was like, you know when you meet somebody famous and you're like, fuck, I don't have anything. Oh, can you sign my vector cereal box? Exactly. <laughs> I'll never eat it. <laughs> what a gross cereal that was, by the way. You know Ew. what? I liked vector. <laughs> vector with grapes. I remember I used to buy it because they marketed it as like, Athlete fuel. Replenish. Restore. It's like literally just pure sugar. It's so gross. Well, not as bad as every other cereal. It's so gross. Probably what? Raisin bran? Even they coated that with with sugar. Okay, well, let's get off the the food. I mean, I like talking about cereal, but... I mean, you and I, we can talk about cereal, but... Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll spare you guys. Okay, so, yeah, they scored two two goals in the first. A power play goal. Thank Christ. Because... Yeah, I mean, it was a good... Did you see it? I even texted you. Like, That's where Lindholm and Chuck should be. Imagine they actually tried a new set play yeah. cross crease. This is the first cross crease attempt you've seen in like ages. And the first kind of cross crease both guys on their one time side. And yeah, exactly. Oh, what a concept. You have guys playing on their one time side. Because again, like you and I have been harping for that purpose. Totally. It's like Kachuk's a threat to shoot there, so you have to respect the shot, and then he can pass to so the guy who can one time it in. That's the point of having opposite flanks but the so, best thing about that is that you could tell it was a set play yeah. johnny cross crease to chucky quick cross crease pass to lindholm where up until now the only set play we've seen is like the down low to the guy on the side of the net trying to force it to the guy in the slot which does for it's me so like, easy to protect that and it's so easy to save as a goalie because pretty it's much true. the best way to score in the nhl is get the goalie moving left to right or right to left east west get him moving east west like, why is your power play running north-south? Come on. Yeah. Now, that um, the, the top line of 
Lindholm, Kachuk, and Majapani. From what, from what the, I heard, they were very good. In the first period, holy shit, they dominated. Now, any of those stats you're looking at, um, the, any Corsi 4 or Possession 4 or Chances 4 was probably 80% generated by that top line. And everyone else is kind of mediocre. They didn't really get... Johnny played on the third line with Lucic the right, first yeah, period. Yeah. They didn't do much at all. Um, even the Monaghan backline line, I mean, they were decent, but it was really that top line was unreal last night in the first period. Yeah, that's what I heard. And that's what it's so good to see because I know I've been a little bummed because that's a line that we've wanted to see together for a while, finally put them together, and they've been kind of meh. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? In Chucky's interview in the first intermission, you know what he said? He was like, well, Leslie said something like, well, nice to see you guys playing against top lines and also contributing, blah, blah, blah. And Chucky was like, yeah, you know what? If we can play top minutes against other teams' top lines as well as contribute, well, I guess that's what they want from us. Ding, 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 ding. That's what we've been saying is that if you can if you can count on that top line of Lindholm, Chucky, and whoever else at this point, Monge looks good there, to play top minutes against the other team's top lines just like Bergeron and Marchand do in Boston, then you have Monty and Johnny to free up. More better matchups, and they don't have to have such a defensive responsibility. Even though now they have back on their line, they do. But he even said it. Bingo. Exactly. So we're so, talking a lot of positives actually for a game that they lost. So they were great. Um, how was the Goudreau Monahan? Well, I guess you said Goudreau played with Lucic and Ryan for the first period, and I think even like. It wasn't until halfway through the second, which was oddly enough when I thought the tables turned. I thought the first half of the second period, we were still maintaining a lot of pressure on them, maintaining a lot of the play. And then that's kind of when the Habs took over. Yeah. Um, and probably when the statistics, the analytics started to, to slant in their favor. Well, if you look at this, you look at the second period. By the way, why, why didn't you catch the game? Might as well let everybody know what you were doing. I was at the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra's uh, Sounds of the Season at the Grace Presbyterian Church. <laughs> okay. And we were talking about this. You and I are... I, I'm, I play this to the extreme. When I'm making plans in the future, like it's like, okay, somebody wants to do something in February. Okay, I got to pick a date here. I always consult the Flames schedule to make sure i'm booking things and planning things on days off well my mom bought the tickets very long time ago my parents like orchestral music so do i to a degree but i don't like when i have to miss the flames game so i was quite annoyed and i didn't have a very good attitude about it so i'm sorry to my mom and i got to miss the game where they were the home where they were those sick jerseys on home ice i think they're wearing them again against detroit coming up here so i missed the first one no in calgary they did play Detroit and Calgary. So that's why I missed the game. But um, yeah, in, in future, I will all, I will give all of my family members and loved ones a copy of the Flame schedule for the year and say, here's the days I'm unavailable. You just got to let people know. It's, it's good. Hey, if you're going to book anything, I'm so down. Just make sure it's not on any of these games. It's days. a good rule to follow. Yeah. So from henceforth, I will do that. And um, I would just, it's just a tip <laughs> for anybody listening as well. You don't want, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where... You'd rather be watching the Flames game than doing some sort of... Anything else. Exactly. Okay, so we're up 2 nothing. What happened? What happened? Because uh, the, the Brendan Gallagher goal was pretty gross. Okay, well, here's the thing. Montreal was pressing. Riddick was making good saves. And then 
it was one of those where it's like, oh my god, that went through. Okay, well, went through. I mean, he's been playing good. The Armia goal was also not that great. Wasn't as bad as... Hey, did you know that Armia's Finnish and his name is Yoel Armia? Because I had no clue until last night. It's not Joel? No, it's not Joel. It's Yoel. What's the difference? Well, he's like Finnish, I guess. (laughs) I didn't know that. Anyways. I didn't like either one of those goals. I even texted you. I'm like, didn't like either one of the Riddick goals. But here's the thing. It's not like it's Mike Smith where it's like every night he's doing this. Riddick has been your MVP thus far this season. So he can have an off game. It's okay. You don't have to fucking shit on Well, that. and the Flames allowed 43 shots on goal. 43. Well, and that we're was outchance high danger, 52 to 48%. We're outchance in scoring chances, 55 to 44%. So, I mean, they gave up a shit ton last night. That was the other thing. I mean, three out of the four goals, because even if you look at Domi's goal, the game winner. Which I didn't like. Probably should have had that too. So, at the end of it all, you can say, Kate Riddick lost us the game in the end. But you can't really put too much onus on Riddick for doing that because he played lights out too. He was stopping yeah. high danger chances. He was stopping breakaways. The guy faced 43 shots. Exactly. It's not his fault. No. But he didn't give you a chance to, to win that game. And this is this is coming up more and more. That since Jeff Ward took over, and I mean we saw it last year, like I remember you said this last week, it was like Bill Peters said last year. We're scoring so much that it's covering up a lot of defensive problems. I think we're seeing that. Like we're giving up on a night to night basis. Outside of the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, we're getting out chance almost every single night. High danger scoring chances all over the place. Giving up. We're getting out shot all the time. So there's defensive breakdowns happening. Yep. In the third period, a couple times, and I don't know if this was by accident or not, but they actually split up the Hannafin Hamannick pairing. There's a couple of shifts that um, Brody was with one of them and Rasmus was with one of them. They have, like, that but, has to be an But then, I, maybe it was by accident because they were playing together at the end of the period, so. Well, I, I mean, if you, as you know, we are no massive fans of either of those guys, but especially when they're together. So, from what you said and from what a lot of people are saying, Noah Hanneman had a really bad night last night. He was on the ice for three goals. Um, it looks like he was one of the leaders in expected goals again, so he was out there for a lot of scoring chances. The thing, the thing is, is like he wasn't worse than he usually is. Yeah, it's just like he was par for the course. Exactly. His expected goals percentage is well down in the thirty percent area, and it looks like Shillington and Anderson yeah struggled last night. Is that true? Shillington and Anderson. I thought they were actually pretty okay. Okay. Um, but. Analytics-wise, it looked like they struggled, eh? Yeah, they were out there for a lot of shot attempts and a lot of scoring chances against. Um, but, I mean, they 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 haven't been there a lot this season. That hasn't characterized their season where with Hammonick and Hannafin it has. Yep. So when you have two defensive pairs who are really struggling, that's kind of a problem. So yep. um, defensively, I don't know if it's a system th- systems thing. Um, well, I kind of think it is. I mean, it's gotta a, lo- be. a lot of times we're gonna have to do some digging to figure out what's going on exactly. But Jesus, here's what I see a lot of times happening: is you guys, you have the forwards. Well, first off, what I see more than anything is when Noah Hannafin and Travis Hamnick get the puck in their end, so it's either behind their net or it's in it's in the corners, and it, and the other team is not changing, so there's some pressure. They never seem to be able to make a one pass outlet. No, like they just can't do it. 
it's either in the guy's feet or it's just they kind of like chip it into the boards and hope that the the forward wins the battle and usually that's where the breakdown happens and then you're hemmed in your own end there's a lot of times obviously like there is every night you're hemmed in your own end you're like fuck okay who's back there yeah there they are again it's Noah Hannafin and Travis Hamnick so I don't know how I don't know if 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 there's something you can work on or you have to inherently be good at. Well, I think you gotta split them up for one thing. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Like you probably should be going Geo Rasmus, maybe Brody Hamannick, Hannafin Shillington or something. Oh, there's one play in the first period. I actually recorded it. I'm gonna send it to you. Okay, Brody had an unbelievable shift. He was like dangling and uh, love like, to see it. Like Brody, as much as it pains me to say it, does it pain you though? No, it doesn't. He's been one of your top. He's been top three, for me, dude. I think he's better been better defensively than Giordano has. No, totally. Um, probably Rasmus Anderson and then Bro- and Brody are pretty close for who's been the best defense defenseman this year. Yeah, and Brody is starting to get more offensive chances. He's starting to do things that make more sense, like simple plays. Obviously, there's that one play, or was it Hannafin? I can't remember. It was you didn't see the game, but it was a Johnny came around the net, passed it right out front. It's either Brody or Hannafin. They just, they're not goal scorers. They couldn't get it up to where you needed to. Price had to make a good save, but... I feel like it was Brody, because I was listening to the third on my drive home. Yeah, I think it might have been. And what's his name? Had a, had a cow, so... So there's that, the inability to make that first good outlet pass. Yeah. But then a lot of times, the forwards, like, they're out of the zone. They're gone. Well, this is a thing I'm noticing is, like... And I think a lot of teams are doing this. They're doing that play where it's, like... It's a two-line pass. It's a two-line chip-in to the zone. So you're not dumping it in, but it's an outlet pass from behind your own blue line, past the red line, and you'll see a forward high at the opposing team's blue line. And they'll just be standing there, and they chip the puck in a lot. Is that happening across the league? Because I see the Flames do that a lot. Well, when I was in junior, we we were taught to use that play when you played a team that you like to trap the neutral zone. Because if they're not coming down and pressuring you, then they're waiting for you to break out and they're trying to cause a turnover in the neutral zone. So that's a play that you'll see when the other team is not really forechecking. They're kind of hanging out in the neutral zone. Um, so I think league-wide you will see similar plays to that in that situation. But where I see even more breakdowns is is when there is forechecking. Right. And a lot of times the some of the forwards, before they even break out, like they're gone. Yeah. Like they're not even available for a pass from the D-man because like they're – they're gone. And then another thing too is like how many times, again, when you're when you're playing, one of the things you, you, is always stressed by coaches is clear both blue lines. Don't turn pucks over at your own blue line coming out of the zone. Don't turn pucks over at the blue line entering the zone because what usually happens is the puck comes back the other way. And I'm seeing way too much on a nightly basis when they are breaking out. It's the forwards. They're doing little drop back passes oh, at yeah. their own blue line. Totally. And like... Monaghan's bad for it. Chucky's been bad for it. Johnny's been bad for it. They're trying to make these fancy plays, and then it just ends up right back in their own zone for 30 seconds. And typically, the teams are generating a lot of their chances off those two breakdowns. So I think it is partly systems. And I think part of it is just, if you look compare that to a team like Arizona, they're more responsible. They're like, okay, first we have to get out of our end nice and clean and then we can do something instead of like hoping for a Hail Mary you know a, 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 one of those two line passes or maybe at least an Arad brush it's like no just get out of your own end first totally and that's what's so frustrating because I mean last year 
we were such a good one of the hallmarks of the team was its ability to transition yep. through the neutral zone. And I think the difference is is that the the, the forwards they're they're gone way too soon. And you see it even on the back check too. Like the forwards are usually no. There's very little. You've, I've heard some defensemen talk about this on the flame. Is like we're we're struggling because. With our gaps, because a lot of the time there's not a lot of back pressure from the forward group, so I'm, I'm, they've got to figure out this. There's there's well, some problems defensively, and or some of the pinching. Oh like, yeah, like Gio's been really bad yeah, for geez. that. He's had a last night. It seemed like I don't know if Hannafin's been going over video, but there's a few times where even Kelly Rudy was pointed out. It's like he he almost decided to pinch and then he held back. Right. So it seems like he's starting to try and be more defensively sound. Which is probably good. I think the whole team needs to focus on that. Totally. So we're tied 2-2. Shillington scores a goal. Great setup by Johnny Gaudreau. Okay, at that point, I thought things were looking pretty good. Yeah, because what is that in 625 into the third? You're feeling pretty good. And it's like Shillington. Yeah. I was pumped. And I knew you'd be pumped. I was so pumped because I'm just like, anytime he scores, it's just confirmation bias. Like, Michael Stone sucks. Yes. Confirmed. But then Nick Suzuki, Suzuki ties it up with a pretty incredible tip on a yeah. great shot. So not much Riddick could do on that one. Yeah. No, I don't think Riddick had a chance on that one. It's the other three out of the problem. With yeah. And then, I mean, over time, like three on three. Okay. Somebody, uh, Jim, the Jimbasol on Instagram yep. uh, told us to talk about this. And I rewatched overtime. There needs to be some sort of shot clock or something. Because Montreal just got the puck in, circle back, in, circle back, in, circle back. It's becoming a huge problem. Like, if you haven't heard, Brian Burke wants there to be like a shot clock to prevent teams from doing the old enter the zone, don't like it, circle back. What I think is a better solution than a shot clock. And I think this is what Jim Basol said as well. Is like, in NBA, you have the half court Exactly, over and back. So, start a half ice rule where where if you have the puck, you're not allowed to bring it back over the red line. Otherwise, it's either a change of possession or if you want to get really intense, it's a penalty. Yeah, or it's just you're not allowed to go over so the other team can go down on a three on O. Something. Something. Because that was really annoying. But part of the problem with that, if you're the Flames... Is that you had some you had some opportunities that Lindholm you squandered. Had a great chance. And then what happens is they were tired, so they they can't press as much. And then when you can't press as much, Montreal is just fine moving around the perimeter, get you more tired, more tired, get a few changes in. So part of that's on the Flames, I think. Yeah, is totally. That if they didn't fuck up some opportunities and and like have their own mistakes, they wouldn't be like in that position in the first place. But. And then the winning goal, like, I mean, again, like we said, Riddick, the dude faced a ton of chances, but, I mean, I feel like you got to have that. Here's the thing. The winning goal only happened because Lindholm didn't finish. Yeah, for sure. And my, I was talking to my dad this morning, and he's like, well, Johnny needed money there. Where was money? And I don't know if it was Lindholm was, hadn't changed yet. I, I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but you tell me if Monaghan didn't get that, Mr. Overtime... Anyways, sure. I don't want to blame this this loss on Riddick. He was definitely part of the problem. I think if Riddick even saves one of those three goals, different outcome. Yeah, and if you allow, gee, I don't know, maybe don't allow forty two shots. Well, that's forty three shots and only get twenty seven. I mean, a bit of an and issue. it's hard to pin it on a, on Riddick because he did make so many other key saves. Yeah, totally. But it will be interesting to see how he bounced back because he definitely let in three stinkers, big time, big two time. for sure. So. I don't know. Where are we at with this team right now? 
we go, we've gone a seven-game heater, and now we've lost three straight. Well, that's been what we've been talking about this whole week, which is is frustrating. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great question. Then let's where are you at with it? Because you even texted me last night. Are we a playoff team? I think that's let's start with that question. I don't know. I think to answer that, you have to look at who who do we need to be better than. You just need to be better in Chicago, well, Minnesota. Well, the the Wilders the Wilder are getting on a run here. I think our saving grace is that our division is so weak. We could even get in as a divisional team right now because who are the locks? Probably just Vegas and Arizona at this point. Like, I mean, Edmonton still hasn't done much to inspire much confidence. Well, but, dude, that, I watched the end of that Arizona game. Yeah. Kemper went down with an injury. Didn't look good. Yeah. It'll be interesting because... They do have Ranta, though. They have Ranta, but Kemper's better. Yeah. And and if Ranta's going to carry the entire workload... If Kemper's out for any extended period of time, which honestly didn't look good, it could be like three, maybe four weeks or more. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it. I think my question is more so: is the team a playoff team? Is it what has Jeff Ward got this team doing? Because I mean, even on that seven-game win streak, were there three or four games that were like, ah, we probably didn't deserve to win that one. We got out chance, we got out shot. Like I would say yes. And I say there's some defensive breakdowns happening that continue to happen that need to be addressed if this team is going to play in the playoffs. Well, during that streak, the biggest thing that you saw that we saw last year was the ability to score in bunches. Yeah. That's what won us those games. Because if you look over his, he's what, 10 games? 10 games now. Yep. Nine games. We've been one of the worst teams giving up shots and one of the worst teams in giving up shot attempts per 60 minutes. So that's a little bit alarming. And then at the same time, when we are not scoring at a particularly high rate, it's not a recipe for long-term success, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing Jeff Ward has done coming in, taking over, is trying to get the guys to have fun. And it has had a good positive impact. When does that start having diminishing returns? And it's like, okay, now we need a real system here. We need some we need defensive system. Yeah. We need a defensive work. I think it starts with guys being more responsible coming out of their own end. Guys more responsible in the neutral zone. Because too many times you have guys trying to fly through the fly through the passes, right? And it's just like your passes are getting cut off because you're trying to cheat, essentially. You're trying to get the easy odd man rush. So yeah, I think and I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I mean, I think th- one of the easiest things you can do to maybe start addressing this problem is start, because we've seen the forward lines be put in a blender to a pretty high degree of success thus far. Yep. That top line has had some good games. It's gotten Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan off the schneid. I think now is the time to start looking at mixing up the D pairings and seeing right. if that starts to have an effect. And more importantly... The Noah Hannafin. Exactly. Even if you just split that up. Yeah. Because I, I've never really understood that where it's just like, oh, it's rock solid. Oh, why change that? It's like everybody's always willing to change the forward groups. But I mean, that's a group of three. Like there's probably more of a, there's more variance in what like a group of two guys are going to do than a group of three guys together, developing chemistry and working well together as a pair. You need to have a solid pairing and two guys that work very well together. So I think that would be where I would start to go with it is you have to start looking at different alterations of the D pairings. Personally, I would try, I think you would go Geo Anderson, Brody Hamannick, Hannafin, Shillington. Yep. 
I think that would work. So that's 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 one thing I would like to start seeing tactically. Because most importantly, adding to that, is that I think Hannafin is your worst defenseman at this moment. As a time. defenseman. As a defenseman. And to be clear, like we shit on Hamannick and Hannafin because they're really bad defensively. Offensively, a bit of a different story. They do create a lot. Yep. And when they're on the ice, the Flames do get more scoring chances than when they're on the ice. But... When they those two guys are on the ice, the Flames tend to get crushed in their own zone. So, and I, and I like the point you've made on in when Hannafin was in Carolina, the most success he had as an individual was playing on a third pairing with sheltered minutes, offensive zone starts, and then some PP time. Yeah, and I don't see, I see a direct correlation of that working here. Oh, me too. Because w- the role he's been given now, he's not he's not thriving in it at all. No. And he's getting way too many minutes for me. He's getting way too many hard minutes. And yep. he's not getting the power play time. If you play him on a third pairing with Oliver Shillington, 15 to 17 minutes a night, and you play him, I mean, I think he'd even be a better option than Geo on the first power play right now. But give him second power play unit, I think you're going to see a lot more. The The return on investment on Noah Hannafin is going to be, you know, a lot more than it is now, I think. So that's I, one idea. I think um, I'd like to see... Geo with with Brody, Rasmus Anderson with Travis Hamonic. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. Okay, the other thing, and and I hope that this is a thing, is that on Twitter after the game, some people are like, it's starting to become a a, a theme. Is that Hamonic? I mean, sorry, Hannafin. Jesus, this guy's a defensive liability. Yeah. Now there's some people arguing that. Look, he's super young. Hopefully. I mean, you've seen across the league, some of these defensemen, they enter their prime, they get better as they as they age. Um, I think there's an argument that guys like Makar can, can come in at a young age and just be solid. But let's, let's hope that as long as Hannafin, if he continues to be a Calgary Flame, that that's the case, that as the older he gets, the better he becomes more responsible defensively. Well, for me, it's kind of like, okay, the dude has played four full seasons. In the NA. Five. This is his fifth year. He's played since he's 18. I think we know what he is at this point. And, again, like, outside of that third year in Carolina, he hasn't really had a strong year as a whole. Yeah. So. So you, what you're saying is there's a hole in that argument. Yeah. And I would tend to agree. Because, like, that's, sure. That's you, more wishful thinking. I think yeah. you're going to see patterns develop that point to who he is as Like, a what is he all of a sudden going to turn around? Because he's gotten the chance in Calgary the last two years to play a more prominent role, play tougher minutes. And personally, defensively, he hasn't been able to handle it. More so this year than last year, I think. But um, like, I the, the age argument is kind of a straw man argument for me. So, I mean, the dude needs to be... He needs to be played more to his strengths. Because if you look at the all defense pairings who have played 100 minutes together this year, the fifth worst in expected goals against is Hannafin and Hamannick. And it's not like they're scoring that much either. That's fifth worst in the league. Fifth worst in the league. And then they're... Nurse and Bear are the worst? Nurse and Bear are the worst for, for defense pairings that have played 100. But, I mean, Nurse and Bear, look at their expected goals for, though, right? So their they're risk-reward... Re, risk risk oh, my God. That was a tough thing to say. You got it. Their risk-reward is a lot higher than Hamannick and Hannafin. Right. So their expected goal percentage is below 50%, meaning they are expected to give up more than they generate. Because the argument, 
And it's a, it's a truthful argument that when Hannafin and Hamannick are on the ice, the Flames are a more dangerous offensive team. That's true. But they don't generate enough to account for the fact that they're so poor defensively. Because then you look at like, okay, a, a pairing like Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, they're pretty, they're in the same range in terms of expected goals against as Hannafin and Hamannick, but their expected goals for are way higher. It's much more of a surplus. Yeah. So that's the problem is like, okay, sure, they're generating some offensively, but they're giving up way too much. And the risk, the return on that is not enough. Yeah. The liability that they are defensively, they're not balancing that exactly. out making up for it on the offensive side of the game. Very well put. I wish I could have put that in less than 15 sentences. <laughs> you'll get, you'll uh. get there. All right. So you asked me this question right before we jumped on. Jeff Ward, is he a legit NHL coach or do we need to find one? Where are you at with this? Well, I, mean, I don't I, think he is. I don't think he is either. Again, it's been like, what, 10 games? Look, and I'm not pointing to Jeff Ward. As a problem. Especially in this three-game losing streak. I'm just concerned in the long run. But if you're Bradshaw living, it's not. It's kind of a mute point because regardless, you're going to let him finish up the season. He's going to finish the season unless something goes horribly awry. And I'm I sure. agree with that. I think that's yeah, the no, smartest thing to do. Yeah. You don't need to add any more change at this point. No, 100%. So then you kind of can make your your analysis and your judgment based on how this, the rest of the season goes. But to me, I see, I do see him. And again, I'll, once we get some more games, like 20, 30, 40 games and to the end of the season, we'll be able to do some actual analysis and see the effect Jeff Ward has actually have and see how he's implemented different systems. But to me, on the surface, through 10 games, he looks kind of very similar to a guy like Lynn Gullitson. Who I don't know. He's probably maybe more su- he's m- maybe more suited to being an assistant coach than anything, because yep. again, what has his priority been on? Getting the guys to have fun, yep. getting well, guys to enjoy coming to the ring. Which is it's not it's not that it's bad, but yep. for me, like I would kind of like a head coach to maybe have a bit more emphasis on like how they're playing yep. and stuff like that. Well, and it might be. It's just too small of a sample size. Yeah, exactly. Um, because the the f- number one priority, which it was has made a very positive impact. And so maybe now we'll start to see yeah. some adjustments. Let's hope. Let's hope, but we'll we'll see. Like Okay. So come back. Let's answer the question. Are we a playoff team? And then we're going to get some mailbag. Okay. Because if I... Right now, I said this the other day. I'm like, I'm still not really sure who we are. We're just still yo-yo. We're up and down. We're all around. It's we're like a roller coaster, but way less fun. It's like the most consistent thing we've seen across the board is David Riddick and the goaltending. And hopefully that was a one-off last night, and that's not a new trend. Yeah. Um, but offensively, we've been yo-yo. We're hit or miss. I think defensively, we've been consistently not good enough. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And to me, that's the biggest issue because it's like a why. And if you can't change that, then how do you even expect to win a playoff series? Right, like you can't. I mean, I was I was saying this on the bitch session argument the other day. It was like, you look at a team like Arizona, and it's like, oh, they can't score. But they're great defensively. It's like, yeah, we score less than the Coyotes this year, and we give up way more. So, I don't know. Like, until the defensive side of the game gets cleaned up, and until we start scoring goals, those two things are generally pretty important in, uh, you know, trying to win hockey games. I'm not super confident right now. So, in order to answer my own question... It's like, well, if I don't know who we are, I have to look around us. And I look at the teams that we're in the fight with. Let's say you just shoe in Vegas and Arizona. Yeah. 
Um, then you have Edmonton, Vancouver, San Jose. I mean, let's write off LA and Anaheim at this point, right? So in your oh own, yeah, for sure. In your own division, like, are you better than Vancouver? I think we are. Even with our own, even with our ups and downs, I think over. I, I can't see Vancouver. Yeah, over eighty-two games. I think we place ahead of them. I think we'll place ahead of Edmonton over eighty-two games. We've seen all that they can do coming out of the gate. They're starting to struggle a bit. I think they'll probably pull it together, but I still think we finish ahead of them in the standings. Um, and then San Jose, like I, I, if they kept DeBoer, I think the DeBoer replacement is going to be a bit of a setback. Who knows? They could go on another 18 game heater. Well, I feel like with San Jose, it's like their goaltending is not getting any better unless they go and acquire somebody. So that's the big thing for me. It's like, I can't see Martin Jones all of a sudden and Aaron Dell all of a sudden like being not terrible. <laughs> so that's, what's more concerning for me is there. And I mean, their defense is comprised of Mark Edward Vlasic, who has fallen off the goddamn face of the earth and is probably one of the worst defensemen in the league right now. You've got Brett Burns and Eric Carlson, excellent offensive defensemen who aren't scoring and terrible defensively. Yep. So like the fact that the combination of their defense being so leaky, they give up so many goals, their goaltending is terrible. Like I just can't see that turning around that fast. Like, here's how I look at the standings on the Pacific rounding out based on what I've seen so far this season. Let's say if you give Arizona, like, I still still think Vegas will finish ahead of Arizona, but if you give Arizona and Vegas the shoe in, like, say they're one, two, I mean, I still think we could be at least two, but say they're one, two, I still think you finish higher than Edmonton, Vancouver, and San Jose. Oh, yeah, me too. I think out of those three, probably Vancouver is going to be the closest. I have no confidence in the others. I'm not just saying that because it makes me happy. But, I mean, now you're starting to see what happens when McDavid and Drysaddle aren't Jesus and – is there another? Muhammad. Is that a team up? Well, who was one of the disciples? Sure, Jesus and John. Was he the the most most devoted? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) And they get really bad goaltending. It's like, oh yeah, who didn't see this coming? You know, Mike Smith will not be able to give him the goaltending. Well, and you know, Koskinen is not that great of a goalie well, he's, either. He's kind of hit or miss, and he's not going to give you the consistency. And their defense is pretty gross too. Yeah. And then mix that in with a pretty outside of McDavid and Drysaddle, a pretty disgusting forward group. Which are they already starting to fatigue? It looks like it. Yes. Like just just in the start of December alone, like where are these guys? Well, and I mean they've they've started to try to split up Drysaddle from McDavid and it hasn't really worked. So yeah, I guess the other night they went McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins down three the centers. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Good luck scoring. Yeah, so I don't have. I'm not too worried about the Oilers. Um, so yeah, I think so. That's how I look at it because it's more so what other teams are not capable of. And then, I'm, yeah. Because even with our own inconsistencies yeah. that are part of our problem, I still think we're consistently better than those other three teams. Yeah, no, I agree. So that's why I think we still are a playoff team. Now, and what, I feel like our, our holes are less. Like, again, we have been leaky defensively, but we do have the personnel. Like, if Giordano returns to some semblance of what he was last year, yeah. if you can figure out a way to fix the Hammond and Hannafin pairing. Um, and then bring in another top six. And bring in another top six guy, you might be looking okay. Yeah. Because you're definitely not as bad as defensively as the Oilers. Yeah. So I still think we're a playoff team. But then the question is, can we do anything in the playoffs? And I think only if you address that checklist that we threw out there, yeah. are you going to see us able to do something? Yeah. 
All right, mailbag. All right, let's do some oh, mailbag. You anything out of there? Mailbag. No. Let's mailbag it. Let's mailbag it. All right, I have no. Qu- I have zero clue. You're popcorning these at me, right? And now. I'll throw some stuff in. I I haven't even really looked at them either. Thank you so much for. Uh, we just did it on Instagram because it's not like we have all day and all night. So we've got we've got some really awesome responses. Yeah. So if you're strictly a Twitter person and you listen to the podcast, if you have Insta. That's where we're doing these mailbag questions. Follow us. But guys, anytime, anywhere, if you ever want us to... We're going to start doing them on like Fridays, I think. Okay. If you ever want us to do... Dive in any topic that you want, just send us a DM on either platform and we'll make sure to add it to the mailbag queue. Okay. So these might be... I don't know. I th- I'm just, We're just going to pop quiz. But I haven't really looked at these. I've looked at like maybe two of them. Okay. So uh, Matt, Matt Che from Instagram asks... Two former Flames currently playing in the NHL that you would want on our roster. Two former play- Flames currently. Yeah, and I can answer that pretty goddamn well, easily. I, I know you're going to say Dougie Hamilton. Douglas. 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 Can I have two Dougie Hamiltons? I'd go Dougie Hamilton, and I'll go I'll go a little bit under the wire on this one. I'll go Dougie Hamilton, and I'll go, um, I'll go Paul Byron. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I like Paul Byron. Because he's going to give you... Where would you place him in the lineup? I, he's in the bottom six. But, I mean, he's fast. He's so back-to-back 20-goal scorer. We don't need any more bottom six guys, though. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll go I'll go Dougie Hamilton, and I'll go Dougie Hamilton. I'm just thinking through the past few teams. Because there hasn't been that many transactions the last few years, hey? Yeah. Like, not a lot of roster turnover. Currently still playing in the NHL, too. So, no Yuri Hoodler. No Yammer Jaeger. <laughs> you know, there's not really a lot of turnover to choose from. I mean, Bradshaw uh, Living hasn't done very much. I'll go Dougie, and because... Brett Kulak. Okay. He played us last night, and I always complain about how we gave him up for nothing. I'm probably going to agree with you. Obviously, Dougie for sure. Um, I guess your other options are Furlan and Hathaway. I think I'm kind of over them both because I don't see why. Like last 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 year, the Hathaway, Ryan, and Mangiapane line was so effective. I don't see why you couldn't roll that same line and Bennett be a major upgrade on Hathaway. Totally. Um, Furlan, way too many injuries. The other, only other guy I can really think of is maybe England. But, he was solid. But he's older now. It's kind of weird. If you look at our teams, there's like very few guys who are still in the league who aren't on our team. It's like... It's true. It's really, he hasn't done very much. It's like so, Marcus Granlund. So I think I'll probably agree. Hamilton and Kulak. Yeah, and imagine how much better our D would be if they were ours. Yeah, and you'd be able to, you'd be able to pull one of the Carolina Hurricanes and just de- deal some of your D-men. Yeah. Okay, good question. Thanks, good question. Matt. Good All right, Matt. Chris. Shamin Chris13 on Instagram. Shamin. This might require some thinking. If you could create your own power play unit of any past slash present Flames players, who would you choose? Past, present, okay. Interesting. On the power play. Jesus, that's uh That's a tough one. That's 40 years. But I think what's weird is like there's pretty much like a 12 or 13 year span in like the 90s where it's like you pretty much don't need anybody on those teams. Yeah. Okay, well, you and I have four of the same guys. Okay, for so, sure, obviously you got Iggy. For sure, Ginla. I we both have McKinnis. Like you tell oh. me, there's a better threat from the blue line than McKinnis. Al McKinnis. Oh, you know what? Because of McKinnis, I'm gonna change. It. I'm gonna have to go. You gotta have Theo with McKinnis. Okay, so you put Theo. Theo. I'll have that. I'll have. I'll switch somebody out for Theo. I will say. I'll I'm, say. You know what? I'm taking Tangi off. Go ahead. You're taking Tangi off for Theo. Okay, I'll say. I'll say Alex Tangi is absolutely a part of your power play team. Right, I'm switching out Theo for Tangi. So I'm I'm Iggy McKinnis Tangi so far, and I'm Iggy McKinnis Theo. We yeah. both have Johnny. Yeah, obviously Johnny Gaudreau. Because you got 
Theo and John. Can you imagine Tange and Gaudreau feeding a Ginlan McInnes? Jesus. Holy Christ. And then for my fifth guy, uh-huh. I'm going with Gary Roberts. I like that. In front of the net. Yep, in front of the net, in front of the presence, banger. He's got good hands. I like that too. Just to change it up. Goal all, scoring prowess. I was thinking, okay, Mike Camilleri, but if you have a Ginla and McInnes shooting, you probably you probably want somebody right in front. You know what? I'll go Mike Camilleri. I loved, he was dynamite on the power play that one year. I'll yep. go Camilleri. Runner, runners up for me were Theo, Joe Mullen, Doug Gilmore. What about Dundike? Oh, fuck. I know, it's tough. That's a tough question. I'll just go Camilleri. I'll go Camilleri, Aguinla, Tange, McInnes, Johnny. I got a cool story about Gary Roberts, too. Have you told it to me? Well, you've heard, you've heard it. Okay. But it's one of my earliest childhood memories of going to oh, the yeah. Flames game. It might have, It's probably one of the first three Flames games I ever went to. It was definitely one that stuck with me in my memory. It's probably like eight years old. But it was when Gary Roberts was probably on the... You know, the latter side of his prime, but still a beast. Just an absolute beast. But I was at a game, super young in the crowd, and Gary Roberts comes down, gets a goaltender interference penalty. He didn't do much. He kind of bumped him, but it was like, oh, come on. So he goes in the box. I think they scored. Crowd was not not impressed. Then the other team came down, bumped our goalie. No call. Crowd, oh, man, they were losing it. And then Gary Roberts comes out being Gary Roberts. Drives hard to the net again, gets another goaltender interference penalty, and the entire building just started throwing garbage all over the ice. Like, you can, you, can you imagine being like an eight year old and that's oh like one God. of your first experiences? Like, I'll never forget <laughs> Gary Roberts for that. It's kind of interesting how different hockey. Like, I don't think we realize how different hockey is now. Oh man, it's so different. It used to be insane. It was a bloodbath. It was insane, and I mean, I think it's for the better. But yeah, I, mean, I agree. You can't you can't like those. Jesus. That's old-time hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So next up, the Flames and Lucic, former sea, formerly Sea of Red Nation on Instagram, asks, why are Hamannick and Hannafin so goddamn bad? Well, we touched on it a bit. Yeah. So it, it starts with their inability to make the first pass out of the zone. Like, and, like they're not even, especially Hannafin. It's like he just chips well, it. He and just one of the weirdest things the about Hannafin is one of the things he's quite good at is carrying the puck blue line to blue line. I don't know why he doesn't do it more because it's something he's actually, it's one of the more rare um, skills that a defenseman has. Well, and here's one of the things I've noticed to go to counter that or to go with that is whenever we get the puck and we start going D to D, our D just stand there. Yeah. It's like we have so we have so many good skating defensemen. Right? All of them are pretty great skaters but, outside maybe Hamannick. But you're right. None of them start carrying it up the puck up the ice. Yeah, it's very weird. So maybe if Hamannick or Hannafin just start doing that, I don't like Hamannick. Man, is he getting like he's starting to really he's fumble getting, a yeah. lot? So I don't, I, I don't know if I trust him carrying the puck up too much. No, but Hannafin's got the skills to do it. Yeah, I know. So he needs to use them more. So I think more so than anything, they're not they're they're not being put in a position to succeed. And their weaknesses are being exposed because they both have the same weaknesses, which is they suck defensively. So and it's like positionally they're bad. Yeah, especially Hannafin. It's like, dude, defense well, decision making too, like basic hockey, yeah. like IQ. You hear that term all the time. I think Hannafin has a low hockey IQ. Me too. And that unfortunately is not really teachable. Yeah. But it is like when you get down low in your own end, it's three on three. The wingers take care of the defenseman, and you just gotta. It's three on three. So you got to communicate with your centerman. And if you're D-man, you should be switching to take the right guys. And just there's too many breakdowns on a nightly basis, especially from Hannafin. Very well put. 
All right. I hope that covers enough. I mean, we could probably go on. Yeah. But we've, we do talk about we it at nauseum. So. Flamestats asks, we're three months into the season. Lucic or Neil? Honestly, this I'm going to go Lucic. Honestly, me too. Based on what we've seen in the past two weeks, because Neil has tapered off and his defense... Oh, wow. What a shock. I mean, he did score the other night, but his defensive liability... I mean, if he's not scoring power play goals, he makes your team worse. Absolutely. If he's on the ice five on five, you're pretty much getting crushed. Now, I'm not saying... Again, I'm not saying... It's not a full... It's not an ideal, like, oh, thank God we got Lucic instead of Neil, Here, right? Ideally, it's neither. Exactly. But if you had to pick one, I'm going to take Lucic. Same. Same. That's, well, I mean... I, are you surprised, though? No, I'm not, because that's kind of what most people predicted. It was like, okay, you know you could get... And to be honest, I'm actually a little more shocked Neil has been, like... I don't know if I'm shocked, but it's like he's been dog shit outside of the first month, right? Yeah. So... I think if you just look at it player for player, what they bring on a nightly basis, James Neal, and you know what's weird? I'm looking at his RAPM chart right now. He's actually been not bad defensively. Offensively, he's been pretty terrible outside of that first month. So well, outside of the power play. Outside of the power play. So I think right now, you probably go Lucic. It's Lucic because of slight edge. But still, when I start thinking about the contract implications, I kind of tend towards, yeah, I'd still rather have Neal, so... Yeah, if you're looking at contract, I think I'd rather I think, have Neil. I think grand scope, Neil. If you're if it's player for player, Lucic. If it's contract with player, yeah, Neil. All right, so thanks for that question. Okay, um, I can't pronounce your name, Germatij or something. Sorry, man. Germatij, Germatij, Germatij on Instagram. That's as close as I'm gonna get. Germo, Germo, Germo. It's kind of like I. It looks like the name. No, it's Germahidi. Germahidi. <laughs> I don't know. Germahidi. I don't know. We don't know. Anyways, he asks, "Will Gaudreau ever get traded?" I love him. I don't want him to get traded. I don't. I don't think he's gonna get traded. Don't buy into the Eric Francis bullshit. Oh, he's from New Jersey. He wants to go back home. That's dumb. There's a there's a high possibility when he becomes a UFA. Yeah. He'll leave. Maybe. I don't see him getting traded. Maybe if the team is not in a playoff position when he's in his last year in contract. And there's there's basically insight that he's probably not going to want to resign. But yeah, but outside of those two, he's not getting traded. He's not getting traded while he's in his prime on a six point seven five million dollar contract. He's not getting traded. Um, again, like you said, he might move on when he's UFA. He's not getting traded. All right, I think this, your name's Matt Matt Patushchuk on Instagram, uh, friend of the show. He says, which top six forward should we try to add, and for what price? Now in season, in season, I believe. Would you want Hall as a U- get him as a UFA? As a UFA, I'm totally into Hall. Yeah. Okay. So I think maybe this is Hall aside. I'm kind of back into the Toffoli. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind Tyler Toffoli at all. Because um, how much he, does he make? He makes. I think he makes under four, under five million dollars. Um, but I mean, the thing about him is that he's a proven twenty goal guy. He kind. How for is me, he he's he's a little. He's a little bit on the tweener side for me like just a smidge yeah but you gotta think if he's putting up 20 goals in LA on a defensive team low scoring I mean the guy's team, won Stanley Cup he's a, he's a pending UFA too he makes 4.6 million like you gotta think he'd score more goals in a Calgary on a well, Calgary Flames team well you playing with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan that's my point yeah so I, 
I like Tyler Toffoli, but I don't want to give up. I don't know. He's coming off last year. He only scored 13 goals last year. Your previous 24. How many has he got this year? He's only He's got nine this year, so he's having a pretty good season. Okay. He's on pace for around just over 20. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind it, but it's not a guy I'm going to go because like his highest, his, his best year is 2015, 2016, 31 goals, 58 points. That's four years ago. So I do like Toffoli, but I'm not going to be like breaking down the barn door, if that's an expression, to go get Tyler Toffoli. I think I may be like Chris Kreider a smidge more than Tyler Toffoli. I think he maybe gives you a little bit more of what you need, especially playing with Gaudreau and Monaghan. Yep. And he's one of those guys that, and this was a good point that Mike Commodore made on the podcast, was that we asked him, what do you, what does this team need? Um, he, he basically said the same thing that we thought, which is you need a top six guy, but he also said someone that's actually hard to play against, someone like a Sam Ben or a Jamie Ben, where they have a physical prowess to him. And I think Kreider gives you more of that than Tafoli yeah. does. And he, he scored 28 goals last year. So his ceiling, I don't know. He And he's only 28. So I, I would kind of lean more to Chris Kreider. Personally, if it was me, I would love for Tree. I don't think this is going to happen, but it would be really cool if he could go do something similar that he did with the Lindholm trade, which is like acquire a really young guy who's under team control. Like a, this would never happen now, but a Jacob Verona or a Andre Kasai type. Yeah. That would be like unbelievable for me, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. But um, I would say Kreider and Toffoli are two guys who are realistic, and if you don't have to give up too much, I don't think I'm giving up a first for either of those guys. Yeah, those, they, you would seem you wouldn't have to give up too much for those guys. Yeah, so if you can get them for, if the price is right, I'm totally down. If not, meh, I'd rather just wait it out and sign Hall or somebody in the offseason. And those Rangers guys always seem to actually pan out when they move teams. Yeah, so I, I like both those guys, but only at the right price. What about, and I... I know it's probably not really much of an option. I look at some of the teams that are in the bottom of the league. Um, Ottawa, Detroit. What about Pajot? Yeah, Pajot's a name I've heard thrown around. The I mean, only thing he's is, like... He's been good at lights out in playoffs. The only thing is, like, is he going to be a flash-in-the-pan type guy? Because he, like, before this year, like... Especially in the analytics community, he's been like, ooh, let's stay away from this guy. This year he's having an unreal year. But remember that year when Ottawa went to the... Was East Finals? Right. Which is not even that long ago if you think about it. He was lights out. So maybe a guy like that, again, it would have to be super cheap for me to take a risk on that guy. But he's fast. He's scoring a shit ton this year. I don't know. But maybe you can get somebody from the bottom bottom dwellers to give you something. Because I look at Detroit, and I don't think they're giving these guys up, but... A guy like Anthony Siu, could yeah. you imagine if we could acquire someone like See, that? like somebody who's younger, right? Yeah, Not exactly. necessarily just like a rental, but somebody who could be a part of your top six for the foreseeable future. That's really hard to do. But but they're, but they're rebuilding, so they're probably not going to give up to you. They're not going to get rid of these young guys. But That's what I'd look for. Ideally, but. you have someone that... Because here's the thing. I mean, was it Doug Armstrong? No. Who was the GM? St. Louis. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because one of the things he said is key. you got to have game breakers. We have a lot of great game breakers. We got Johnny. We got Monty. You got even well. I wouldn't really, I wouldn't necessarily at home, but he's close. But Kachuk, even Geo, get four game breakers. So even if you have a little bit of supporting cast of that, someone like Toffoli, he's won a cup. He's won three cups. Two cups. Two cups. Two cups. I'm sure he scored some game winning goals during that both those Stanley Cups. Um, just someone that can just bring more dimension to a line like Johnny and Monty. Yeah, totally. You don't need to. Yeah, like I don't think you need to go get out, go get a superstar, like Hall necessarily. Yeah. 
but you need somebody who can get it done in the top We won't six. probably know who else is really available as we until we get closer to deadline. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure. I haven't kept my finger on the pulse. No one really talks about who the UFAs will be until, like, season ends. But we may be better off trying to acquire some in the offseason. And we'll see how the season goes. Yeah. All right. This is kind of a fun question. Michael asks, why is Which the... Which Michael? Michael Gay... Gay... Gal... Galley? Michael Galley? Michael Galley. He asks, why is the league training towards pulling goalies earlier and earlier? Pulling goalies? Well, I think, obviously, it's more effective. I've got a study up here from Big Think. You can look it up. Um, interestingly the, enough... What do, you, what do you mean? Is when you're down a goal and you want to... Pulling it earlier. With like less six on than five? A yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Interestingly enough, last season, the Calgary Flames had the highest success rate scoring on 4.5% of their empty net chances. Interesting. Interesting, eh? And you know what's interesting? This study, so they did a whole study on it. I'll maybe post it later. Um, but here's here's what the statistics show. Um, NHL teams have a 0.65% chance of scoring at any 10-second interval during a regular game. But when the goaltender is pulled with an extra attacker, it skyrockets to 4.3%. So based on that, if you're down by a goal, according to this study, the best time to pull the goalie is at the six minute and ten second mark, to give your chance, give yourselves the best chance to win. Well, you've if seen, you're down by two goals, thirteen minutes. You that's interesting. If hey? you, you've seen um, like a guy, if a team are is down two goals, like some of these goal, some of these coaches are pulling the goal with four minutes left. Well, last year we did it a lot. I'm gonna pull up the exact stats and I'll post it on Instagram later. But I remember being down by two in five four minutes. We had the goalie pulled for sure yeah. last year. And I felt okay with it. And we had the highest success rate last year. Probably some guys started with it. There was, just as the analytics are saying, there's success by doing it. And, you know, when trends happen and they work, other guys follow suit, other coaches follow suit. So I think but, the re- it, the re- but it is interesting to see there's analytics that yeah. actually back it up. So the reason it's happening is because it's so effective. It's it way works. more effective. It, it works. works. Cool. So thanks for the question. All right, Michael Bruce asks. It's it's more of a topic question than Brucey a... boy. Brucey boy, you fucker. Flames offered Bennett Hamannick and a high pick for Hall. So apparently that's not true, according to according Freeman. to Freeman this morning. Yeah, he said well, it was. No, he didn't say not Hamannick. He didn't say not Hamannick, but he said it wasn't the package that was reported, which was more something like Bennett Shillington and a first. Yeah. They said a first a draft pick wasn't involved, and it was probably something along the lines of two roster players. Yeah. What was the question? Um, it was just a topic question, just talking about the what the Flames had reported the offered for Hall. So apparently, what was offered was. I honestly don't think that Brad Shillington is going to shop Bennett quite yet. I don't think so either. I think he likes him. I like him as a playoff guy. I think here's the thing: we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. We're yeah. not trying to make it to the playoffs. You need a guy like Sam Bennett to get you, get you, to help you go further into the playoffs. He's a guy that can help you do that. So I don't see him parting with him. Um, plus, there's so many other guys. Like, who do you think he? Well, that's interesting because we were kind of spitballing, and I said like I wouldn't be surprised if it was because then the other thing you have to factor in is like there had to be salary involved. Even if New Jersey is going to eat 50%, that's still $3 million the Flames have to move out. Yep. So it had to be somebody who was at least making three mil. So for me, I kind of look, okay, is maybe it was Hamannick involved, maybe Brody, and then maybe it was Noah Hannafin was involved. 
because he makes just under five. Because I'm thinking, like, who in the Ford ranks is New Jersey going to want? Maybe it was something along the lines of Andrew Mangiapane and TJ Brody slash Noah Hannafin slash... At this point, man, I don't want to get rid of Brody. No, me either. He's playing way too good this season. Yeah, me too. But so. if, if we can get rid of Han- uh, Hannafin... Hannafin... <laughs> And because like while well, he still has perceived value, because I'm in the camp that you are, like I don't think he's gonna get much better as he ages. And he makes almost five million bucks. So because the areas of his game that decision making, hockey IQ are problematic, are not teachable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. Thanks for the question. All right, uh, Denon asked similar question: possible pre trade deadline moves. We kind of talked about it. Defoli, Kreider, kind of the obvious guys. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, for us. We need a legit top six guy. You need somebody legit. Yeah. Not a tweener, not a depth guy. Somebody who makes your top six better. It's it's our true need. If we can get that, then I think we can actually be a legit contender. I agree. The Flames and Lucic says, potential new forward lines with a recent scoring slump and one goal in two games. So this was kind of addressed last night because the top line was great. The top line of Lynn Holman, Japani, and Kachuk. So I think they stick together. Yeah, I want to see... What we saw last year with was success. I kind of want to see Mangiapane, Ryan go back together. Yeah, me too. And I would say with Bennett. See, I think this is why it's so important to get a top six guy. Yeah, on your third line. Because I think I and t- count me as somebody who absolutely wants Andrew Mangiapane in the top six. But if he could play on a line with Ryan and Dubé or something on a third line, holy shit, look out. Yeah. So I think maybe moving Monge Dubé, some sort of swap there. Personally, for me, I think the the returns on Milan Lucic on the third line are diminishing. He's got to be on the fourth line. So I think you got to move him back to the fourth line and bump somebody up. Bennett is probably the guy right now. Um, so I think just some tinkering with that is going to help a lot. Um, but I think you'll probably see these lines ride out a little bit more until like we legitimately are in a scoring slump, especially after last night. So yeah. Now if you have to choose a guy internally if it's not Mangiapani on the top line, yeah. who is it? Well, I'm still curious. I know I've been a big proponent of Lindholm, Kachuk, and Mange, but I'm still curious to see over an extended period of time of trying um, the top line with Kachuk, so Johnny and Monty with Kachuk, and then going back to Backlund, Lindholm, and Mange is your second line. I'm still curious to see how that would work because in a limited time together last year, Backlund and Lindholm played quite well together. And anytime John or Kachuk has played with, with Monahan and Goudreau, I've really liked what I've seen. So that's kind of what I'm curious to see if they go back, if they try that at some point. To me, I'm a little bit worried about that because, as you mentioned the other day, Chucky hasn't been as good defensively this year. Yeah. And I think that... Well, that's, that's the one thing. I think that they would struggle defensively yeah. if it was the top three on the line. So I kind of like um, Lindholm with Chucky. I'm not sure who you put there instead of Monge. Maybe give Dubé a ride for a bit. And then I, I kind of actually really like... Backlund with Monty and and Johnny, he's he's like an extra playmaker there. He wish he could finish. Jesus, that guy needs to finish. Learn like holy crap. So if Bennett Ryan and Monty are your third line, I might go Lucic, Dubé, and Frolik is your fourth. Yeah, I don't mind that. Although I'd like to see, like maybe that's how you end the season, where you still have Dubé playing in the you know higher up in the lineup until then. But imagine if. If you did get another top six guy and everybody slotted down, yeah, and your and your fourth line was Dubé, Lucic, and Frolik, um, and you had Bennett, Ryan, and Monge. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, there's some just throwing out some combinations, but all right, Noah, 
No, Adler99 on Instagram. He knows I love my jersey topics. That boy knows. So no ass, in your opinion, should Blasty come back? Blasty the jersey, the horse head. Obviously, only as a third? As a third jersey. Even if they do, like... I, I don't know why NHL teams don't do this more. Because in the NBA, they have, like, 85 jerseys. Yeah. Well, why don't they have, like, a one-off night every once in a while? And it's like, here's a one-off here's jersey. Here's a throwback. Yeah. Are they allowed to? Is I there, don't see why not. Is there a rule, like, how many jerseys you There can might be. I would have to look into that. But I would say, I if there's going to be new jerseys next year... I don't mind Blasty being incorporated somehow, but I would prefer them to wear their retro home and aways and then come up with a new third jersey. Maybe Blasty's incorporated, yeah. but I think a one, a, a just reintroducing Blasty as it was, as it is, I would prefer to see something new. I would like to see an evolution of Blasty. Exactly. Yeah. Not just a rehash. Because it's not like you go back and you wear the old retros. You wear the new retros. Exactly. Because they're way sexier. Totally. So there's got to be something you can do with Blasty. Yeah. Make it evolve into something even sexier than the current Bla- the old Blasty. Mm-hmm. But I'm agree. down. I'm, I'm totally, totally down. I'm totally down. Any upgrade on the jerseys, I'm down for. Um, all right. So Justify. I believe your name's Tom Justify. I just learned this. Justify. Tom's Justify on Instagram. Or no. Is that Joinsy? Fuck, sorry. Yeah, no, it's Joinsy. Sorry, Justify. It's I don't... I, I totally am blanking on your name. Thoughts on adding Justin Williams to the team? I th- Justin Williams is a great player, but I can't imagine if he's coming back to the league, there's no way he's not going to Carolina. Hey, I would love to add him. He'd be great. As a strictly, purely a rental, but I agree. If he's coming back, he's going to play in Carolina. But yeah. if he would play in Calgary, hell yeah. Yeah. I'm all over that. He's He would be one of... Yeah. I'm all over that. Me too. Riley asks, who is on this still on the team in five years? Matthew Kachuk. If you have to boil it down to three guys, it's Matt Kachuk. It's Rasmus Anderson. I bet you Sean Monaghan. I bet Sean Monaghan. I bet you Gaudreau has a bigger possibility of leaving than Sean Monaghan does. Yeah, and I think Matthew, for all the dumbass Eric Francis, oh, Matthew Kachuk wants to go home to St. Louis. I think Matthew Kachuk is absolutely still here. If I had to do three guys off the top of my head, Kachuk, Anderson, Valimaki. 100% 100% agree. But I don't see Monaghan moving on. I think Monaghan will be here. I think Monaghan's a flame for life. Yeah. Like, where's he going to go? Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's, it's fucking Sean Money Hands. All right. Yeah, I agree, Brass. And yeah, good call. We, we touched on this a little bit. Michael Bruce asks, do you think Brucey Jeff... boy. Brucey, do you think Jeff Ward remains the coach next year? Well, it all depends. It all depends like, on what happens. As of right now, I would say no, but... It really just depends. If the team has some actual solid success, like for sure they have to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, he's not. I don't think he's coaching. If he, even if they exit in the first round, I don't think he's coaching. Yeah, I think I think he has to take this team on a bit of a run for him to be back full time. Now, nope. if if they make the playoffs, I think it'll depend on what fashion they do. That'll depend if he gets if like he gets if, another year. Or if not. they play great and are like second or first in the division, make the playoffs. Definitely probabilities. And like higher. say it's a solid series, they don't get punked again. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is too, like Bradtree Living almost hired him when he hired Glenn Goldson too. So that kind of plays to, into his favor a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I'm really curious to see this. Who is the coach of the team next year will be very telling. Right now, I'm giving him a 35% chance that he won't. Yeah. That's, or, no, sorry, that he will. That's almost the perfect percentage. It's like probably not, but I could see it happening. It's a 35-65 split 
I, I yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the team's going to have to have some pretty legitimate success in order for him to be the coach next year. And uh, Andrew underscore 2319 asks the same thing. Um, he asks, will Jeff Ward get the head coaching job? But with a different twist, what will it take for him to get it? So what would it take for you to see Jeff well, Ward I, as the I, head coach? I just answered that. You just answered it? they got to have legitimate success. Um, yeah, I think you just answered it too. Like, well, they you have, have to make the playoffs. They have to even do more than make the playoffs. They have to do it in style. You have to be... You have to clean up a lot of the issues yeah, that we're exactly. seeing right now. You can't just stumble into the playoffs because you're in a weak division. Yeah, you can't yo-yo from here on out and make yeah. the playoffs. And then, I don't know, you might have to at least win a round. You have to have a consistent, from what I have to see, I have to see a very consistent hockey team from now until the end of the year Yeah, for Jeff Ward to even be considered. Yeah. Okay, so Anthony asks, who should we send to All-Star Weekend? Obvious, it's Milan Lucic. On a serious note, I think Johnny Gaudreau for sure. Yeah. And I would say David Riddick. Yeah, I think so too. Like, they want personality there. Well, I think if you want pure personality, you go Kachuk and Riddick. Yeah. Does Riddick have the numbers? If you're sending a Pacific Division goalie, I very much doubt it wouldn't be Darcy Kemper, but he just got hurt. He's hurt. He's not going. So maybe. There's no way. He's he's better than Jones. Nobody from Edmonton's going. Flurry. Flurry is the one reason that you're probably not going to see Riddick at the All Star game. Don't they send two Pacific Division goals? Well, I think you can. Ha- I don't even know how it works because I hate the All Star game. Gibson's going yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then there's a vote. So I th- from who I would like to see, I'd love to see Dave Riddick there. Yeah, I think the thing about Johnny is like Riddick won't be there. He won't be there. I want to see him. There. Johnny is that's who I would say. Like, do you remember Johnny in the puck handling challenge last year? Probably the last two years. He's the best. The best. So you got to send Johnny. But Johnny will go. I, it's in St. Louis, though, isn't it? He... I think it might be in yeah, St. Louis. If it's it in St. Louis, pretty maybe sure Kachuk. Yeah, I don't know. You never know. But Riddick would be pretty sweet. You know, Kachuk is probably very debatable on being deserving to be there. He shouldn't so, be there, in yeah. my opinion. He should be or shouldn't, shouldn't be. Should not be. Thus far. If he had strung together maybe three to five more impactful games, I would think I would pick him. Yeah, but me too. Johnny's your guy. All right, we've got a few more here. Um, I'm saving a couple of them till it. Maybe it would be best for the Flames to win the playoffs so that Brad Shelevin gets fired. Thoughts? We've been saying that. <laughs> it's well, kind of a weird... Okay, this I was going to talk about this today, and it's more of a confession <laughs> than anything, but sometimes when I'm watching, it creeps into my brain that it's like, I kind of hope we lose because I don't. I want Shelevin to be fired. And it's a horrible thing to say, but it has entered my brain. See, my problem with and that... And I feel like a piece of shit for saying it. My problem with that is... It doesn't even ensure he will get fired. True. But I have a kind of a different spin on that. I At some point, I'm like, you know what? If we're just going to yo-yo from here on out and then just be kind of meh in the playoffs, it might be a better s- scenario to actually miss the playoffs and sell some of these assets that you can get back. You got Hammond to come off the books. Well, Matt, here's a worst case scenario. Like trade deadline comes around and we're on the bubble. Yeah, and then Bradshaw living. I don't. Like, I don't. Yikers! See, I don't trust him doing the problem. The problem with that line. is I don't think we'll be sellers. I think you have to change the question. Like, will will we be sellers at the deadline? I think we should be regardless. I don't think we will be though. No, I know we're gonna be bubble probably. Yeah. So, 
I don't disagree with that. I, it's not me cheering for the Flames to lose. But and here's why I'm not I'm, cheering for that because I don't think the ownership group. Would, yeah, same. Would they just signed him to a three-year extension. I don't think he's getting fired even if we miss the playoffs. See, I kind of, I'm a little bit. Maybe it's just me, <laughs> confirmation bias. I'm a little less skeptical that he would get fired. Like, that he wouldn't get fired. Like if they miss the playoffs, like you think he will? There's a good chance. Holy shit! If they miss the playoffs, oh my god. So, but I, I. I can see where you're coming from, and that would be terrible. You know, miss the playoffs, and the ownership keeps this GM around. But, I mean, he just did sign a three-year deal, so... But he, and here's the other thing, too, is that we've seen. We see this time and time again. We always forget, but we're always reminded every year. You just need to get in. Yeah. Like, when you get into the playoffs, literally anything can happen. Well, and think about this. Even though I've been incredibly critical of him, you have to a lesser extent. We've all kind of started to see, like, Jesus, what's going on here? Is there a plan? I mean, Doug Armstrong was under a lot of heat in St. Louis yep. before they went on a run and won the Stanley Cup. So I still think the Flames are in that Brad Living has done has not screwed this up to a point where it's not reconcilable yep. yet. So I still think there's hope. I still think he can turn this team into a Stanley Cup contender. And I don't think he's that bad of a GM. He's just... He's just pretty bad. Yeah. And so if you're pretty bad over a six-year period, then you start to see all this stuff creep in. But he's not going to like implode the thing like Chirelli did in Edmonton. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not going to be he's like the New York Islanders Garth Snow. He's not like... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Two more questions from Teeman, Toverton18 on Instagram. Teeman. Teeman! Really good question. In your opinion, who is the best prospect in the Flames organization? Outside so, of Val- is it, I, is think, I think we'll given? exclude Valimaki because he is okay. just a given. Outside of Valimaki, who's, who's the best? Dylan Dubé, for me. He's still is, prospect is he still a prospect? Team? Let's go Dylan Dubé and Valimaki outside of those two okay, guys. Outside Let's of go Dil- guys who are not on the current team. The guys not on the current team? Playing in the minors, junior, elsewhere. I mean, probably like the most interesting one, not best, is Dustin Wolf. Like He's probably the most interesting. He's putting up insane numbers this year. Um, I mean, you could go Pelche. I, I'm not super sold on Pelche just yet. I think, like, Pelche, maybe. I think I he's still I, too young to say. I, I think Pelche, obviously, he's your most recent first-round draft pick. Probably an easy answer is Pelche. No, I think the easier answer is Dustin Wolf. I think Dustin Wolf is the most interesting, but because he's a goalie and because he was a seventh-round pick and he's still only 18, Yeah, I think he's the most interesting. I wouldn't say he is absolutely the best, though. I would say, like, as of right now, I'm looking at Matt Phillips. Yeah. He's having a great year in Stockton. He's putting up over a point per game. So, yep. I'd I mean, say it's hard to not say Matthew Phillips right if now. If you're basing it on on current yeah. um, success. I think trajectory, obviously, Pelche. And then I want to bring up, I think this this might be your sleeper yeah. prospect. Well, he was good in camp. Is Dimitri Dimitri Which I can never say, no matter how many times I hear He plays in Ramuski. Can we pull up his stats? Did he get injured for a bit? He's got 16 goals, 27 assists in 43 games. So 43 points in 23 games. And he's basically two points per game. He's a 19-year-old playing in in um in the QMJHL right now. So he could be the sleeper. Yeah. You're gonna say Matt Phillips? I'll say Matt Phillips just go. because he is having such a he's he's been pretty good in Stockton this year. I'm gonna go with Dustin Wolf. Okay, I like it. I think trajectory obviously it's Pelche, but I think right now like how, I don't how know. can you say Matt Phillips this, is not impressing everybody? This uh, Gordon Digidji might be better than Phillips. Pro- maybe or, uh, not Phillips. Um, trajectory, the Moncton guy. 
Pelche. Oh, Pelche, yeah. I think he might be better than Pelche. Pelche and McKenna are putting up some pretty good numbers, we'll so see. we'll see. I think trajectory, obviously, Pelche, but I'll just say to reward Matt Phillips for his great year in the AHL this year. Is Dubé still a prospect? I guess technically, obviously, but I'll say no. Number one for me is Dubé, but then yeah. I'll go with Wolf. And Matt Phillips is 21, but I mean, like, he's a Calgary boy. Maybe I'm just biased. Let's go Matt Phillips. Okay, and here's the last one. This one's going to be tough. From uh, Sarah Stranger. Sarah on Instagram. What's up, Sarah? Her, her, uh, ta- her, her uh, handle is Stranger Sarah. Top 10 Flames of the Decade. Of the Decade. It's pretty sad. The list isn't that great, folks. It's kind of like you think, oh, yeah, there's a lot of guys. Outside of your top three. It's pretty sad. It's kind of mad. So we sh- we'll say this. Kipper and again. I was going to say Aginlasov. <laughs> Kiprasov and Aginla are in their own separate category because, like, obviously, duh. But they were, like, he was traded in 2013. Kipper retired that year, so. They're technically in the technically decade. Technically and obviously, but we're just leaving them out for the sake of this. Yeah. So, number one. The no, number, let's go 10 up. 10 up. Okay, so number number 10. Number 10. I, I suggested this. You suggested this, and if you're going through the list by comparison, like, yeah. It's kind of hard. So, Michael Furland. Michael Furland. He was a fan favorite. He was a big part of that Vancouver playoff series. Ooh, that Bieksa versus yeah, Furland series. Yeah, he was so good. Alone. He'll always be remembered for that alone. So, I'll say Furland. Okay. I mean, we agreed on this list other yeah. than the top. The top three. All right. Now, we're coming at number nine. <laughs> Which is a bit weird. It's kind of weird, but he had some really good seasons. Yeah. And he's had a really good season this year. TJ Brody. He's been here since, like, one of, the, one of the factors is, I think, longevity. Like I think so. Because I think if you just look at, oh, he was here for a little bit. But, I mean, he's been here for a long time. He was a good defenseman if for... You're looking at the decade as a whole. Yeah. So, TJ Brody. I'm a big TJ Brody fan. Okay, number eight. This is kind of cool. You got a little bit of a throwback. Here. Yeah. This is probably the biggest throwback. How many goals did this guy score? Well, I mean, it's kind of weird for... A, he's just kind of a... At the time, outside of Jerome McGinley, this was like your goal scorer. Which is kind of hilarious. If you guys can guess. What was his number? 20. Number 20. You guys guess? When did how, when were the years? He played in Calgary between 2008-2009 to 2014-15. Curtis Glenn Cross. He scored 134 NHL goals, most of them with the Flames. He had some pretty good seasons. In 11-12, he had 26 goals. Yeah, he had 24 goals. That's crazy. Followed by 26 goals. I remember those teams. We had so much depth, and we could never really get it done. And he was, like, he was pretty clutch. He was good. So he's coming at number 8. For a guy who just kind of like came out of nowhere and is from Saskatchewan, Kindersley, Saskatchewan. Number seven, your lover boy. Okay, I had to have him on this list. Well, and I think he makes the list. And I think he's probably, if you're looking at the best players to play for the Flames in the past 10 years, Dougie Hamilton. Especially, is, especially where they rate right now. Right? Dougie yeah. Hamilton. Is he the best player? Well, maybe not. Johnny's better. But he's probably the second best player on this list right now. Well, he rivals your top three. So... I'm I'm really I'm this still is really a big sore spot for me that we traded Dougie Hamilton. I loved him when he was here. He's a great guy. I love that he's doing so well in Carolina. Dougie Hamilton next. Okay. And then number six, this is another little bit of a throwback, and a, and part of him being on the list is what he did for Monty and Johnny, kickstarting their career, and that magical fourteen fifteen year. Mister Yuri Hoodler. Mister, talk what, about what were his stats? Well, he had one year where he had like 78 points. It's kind of weird. He just kind of disappeared from the league, eh? Yeah. Um, like he was in Detroit for a while and the Flames signed him in Did the offseason. Did he go to Florida or something? Yeah. We, went to, we traded him to Florida. 
Um, he had the one year, 14, 15, 31 goals, 76 points. Jesus. Yeah, he had a great season with Johnny Money. So he's only here for four years. Um, one of them was the lockout shortened season, but he was pretty good when he was here. So Pretty good. All right, coming at number five. Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund. He's Steady Eddie. It's it's kind of makes you feel old when you realize Daryl Sutter drafted him. I know. Isn't that weird? But you know what? He's been pretty solid. He's been pretty solid. Like, I mean, we shit on him a lot for not being able to score, but I mean... Yeah. Outside had, of that, he's consistent. He's had three 20-goal seasons, so... Yeah. And he's he's a lifelong player. He does a lot in the community. He's but, a great guy. But this points to kind of how sad your list really is. Yeah, Michael, well, Michael Backlund, who has 132 been, NHL goals. He's been your fifth best player in the decade. <laughs> this I thought this was going to be fun, and it's kind of turning into a depressing exercise. Coming at number four. He's only been here three years. Four, this is the fourth year. And you're kind of anticipating what his future looks like, but it's Matthew Kachuk. Yep. The he's, only reason he's number four is because he's only been here four years. Do you think he'll ever score 100 points? Yes. I think it really depends on who he plays with, but I think he has the ability to score 100 points. He had 77 last year. He had 77 last year. Yeah. Yeah. What's he on pace for this year, though? Um, He's still under point a game right he's now. probably on pace for like 56 points. He'd probably push 60. Which is not particularly great. Well, everybody's having a little bit of. The, the, if he can be a, if he can be like a, I don't want to say Patrice Bergeron, because but if he can be like a Mark, if you can use Mark Stone as a comparable to Matthew Chuck, yeah, a guy who puts up between sixty and seventy points and is an insane play driver, yeah. that's what you want. The, the key with him is he needs, which I think he will, he needs to continue to get better. Yeah, exactly. Because if he does, he will start to create a lot of separation between him and most of the league. Yeah. Okay, this is the one where you and I differ. All right, the top. The well, let's go to number one first. We both agree with number one, which, which is, is Johnny Gaudreau. Jonathan Hockey. He's been your best player in the decade. Well, for me, and it's like I know everybody likes to shit on him, but like he's he is my favorite. Like other than Ginla, he's my favorite all-time flame. Could you imagine? What is it? Five years ago, when he broke into the league, if you did not have Johnny Gaudreau on your team. Like, do you have a team at all? No. Does anybody even come to the rink? No. Like, he brings people to the rink. He's that good. And he's like, seriously, since since before, since as a Flames fan my whole life, I've, we've, I've, because that was the thing with the Ginla. I loved watching him play, but it was never like the stars of the, the other stars of that age, like Yager, Pavel Burrett. He was never like electric with the puck and like, holy shit, did you see that move Jerome just made? It was like, that's this guy. And he's probably the only guy since Theo who's yeah. even come close. The best way I would to, say he's better than Theo. The best way to sum him up is that he's fun to watch. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's what you want when you go to watch a hockey game. You he's my fun, favorite player. You want to have fun watching. I love watching him play. So Johnny Gaudreau, All right. he's continued to get better. So so we differed on your number two and three. I'm going Monaghan, then Gio. And you're going Gio, then Monaghan. Well, I mean, the guy got a fucking Norris Trophy last year. He was the best player in the league. Hey, I'm just looking at the decade. I'm looking at the decade. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. He's been here since since the beginning, man. Dude, like how many records has Monahan set already in a Flames uniform? Monahan. <laughs> well, Monahan, it's not that big of a difference. I'm not I'm not saying I don't love Sean Monahan, but like Mark Giordano and and he's weird because I'm not the biggest Geo guy either. Like in jerseys, like I don't want to mark Giordano in jersey. That's boring. Well, I was and I was contemplating is the Heritage Classic yeah. and the Sion. But it's like meh. But I mean this dude has been so solid from he's he was drafted, like his first year in the league is two thousand five, two thousand six. He goes beyond the decade. 
So it's just true. for the sake of longevity he's and the fact played, he won the Norris last year, marked year down for me. He's played the decade, but Monaghan has some longevity too. But he's got the most overtime goals scored as a flame. Yep, he's youngest, fifth in game-winning goals. Youngest to reach, what, 100 goals? Yeah. Like, this guy's been really good too. I don't disagree. And I think I'm more. I'm always a little bit more partial to the forwards just because I was a forward and I think it's more exciting and all that kind of stuff. I don't really give D-man as much props as I usually should. <laughs> but I'm still going Johnny Monty 1-2, then Geo 3. And so you guys let us know. Because, I mean... Yeah, who are your top 10? It's You think like, oh, yeah. It's kind of like if you start looking, it's kind of like because there's like there is guys like Camilleri, but he only played here for a few years here and there. Yoke like Ole Jokinen, like ugh. Yeah. Well, thanks. Tangay. Like Tangay, sure. He that was a bit before his time. So yeah. these guys that, that kind of they were tapering off as we entered 2009, 10, yeah. and, and onwards. So we didn't really include them. But did we miss anybody? Did we miss anybody? Sven Berchi. Sven. Mark Jankowski. Elliot. Brian Elliott. Chase Kerry Ramo. Steve Chason. Alex Chason. Kerry Ramo. Rito Berra. Henrik Carlson. The other Henrik Carlson who sucks. Let us know. Who do we miss and who's your one, two, three? Actually, who's your two, three? If Johnny's your number one, who's your two, three? We're curious to know. 